The nail in the coffin! Episode number 64 of The Nail, Tom and Travis recording here on a rainy Tuesday night uh, here in Cleveland. Trev, how are you feeling over there on the west side of town? Not too bad. I mean, it's hard to complain when it's it's like still in the 50s. I mean, the weather's kind of crappy and boring, but it is, you know, it's st- technically still winter. All things considered, you know, we're doing all right. Hey, you know, I will uh, I will say that uh, it's it's one of my favorite weeks of the year. Uh, on the sporting calendar. I, I know the, the regular calendar is calling it winter still. And God knows, uh, I think we're staring down the barrel of 25 degrees on Saturday, but um, still, nevertheless, one of my favorite weeks, we've got college basketball uh, championship week going on. All the conference tournaments are going on. Have you gotten a chance to check out any of the mid majors so far? Um, I've, I've paid a little bit of passing attention, not a whole lot. Um, I'm with you though. This week is always entertaining. I love watching, especially like uh, Saturday and Sunday, as you see everything unfold leading up to uh, the bracket being unveiled. There's this is sort of where a lot of those Cinderella stories start. Um, I know I know we talk about them usually being in that first week of the tournament, but um, there's always a lot of really cool stories. If you're into college basketball at all, there's a lot of fun stuff to be seen here uh, for the next few days. Yep, you can't be Cinderella in March Madness if you don't get an invitation to the dance first. And this is the week that all those teams uh, and the the smaller conferences are punching their tickets. So, and if you're a, if you're a member of Team Degenerate, it is uh, it's about as good as it gets, really. <laughs> Lots of uh, uh, friendly wages. So I've heard. So I've heard. <laughs> Can either confirm about. nor deny, as, as, as <laughs> exactly. the saying goes. But uh, exactly. hey, we we've got one of the tournaments coming up this week. Here in Cleveland, the uh, Mid-American Conference once again in town uh, for the men's tournament. Uh, Quarterfinals begin on Thursday night over at the Q. Semifinals on Friday. Championship game on Saturday. And uh, to get us ready for that, uh, I talked with uh, Jason Arkley, uh, Ohio University beat writer for the Athens Messenger. Uh, Jason does an awesome job covering the Bobcats, uh, my alma mater. And um, he'll be in town covering the tournament. And uh, let's go ahead and uh, listen to that with uh, Jason. All right, as promised, uh, we have Jason Arkley from the Athens Messenger uh, joining us here tonight. Jason, welcome back to Cleveland and uh, welcome back to uh, The Nail. It's uh, really great to have you on again. Uh, I'm glad to be here, Tom. It's uh, one of my favorite weeks of the year. Uh, get out of get away from home for a while and uh, uh, watch a lot of basketball. So this is a time of year I really enjoy. Yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite weeks. And as somebody who follows the Mac pretty closely throughout the year to have the the, the tournament, the conference tournament here in March, uh, a block away from my office now, it's uh, it's a good time. And uh, I think we got a really good setup here in terms of uh, what this field looks like. And I mean, am, am I crazy or could you realistically see a scenario where any one of about five or six of the teams of the eight that are here having a shot at winning the whole thing this weekend. Absolutely. Um, 
in my mind, there 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 are six legitimate teams that could win this. Uh, there are a couple that I I don't trust at all whatsoever to to be good three days in a row. But you look at the top seed; they've lost to the 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 12 seed during the year. Uh, the number two seed has lost to just about everyone who made it to Cleveland at some point during the season with, with such the log jam there for second place during the, the bulk of the regular season, no one is impervious to getting upset up here. And that should make for some, some dramatic moments, some close ball games and uh, anyone can win this kind of feel to the weekend. I, I, I think you're right. Five or six teams, uh, you, you get a hot hand, you ride him for a couple days, and uh, we could have a, a very surprising winner here come Saturday night. All right, so we we had the first-round games on the campus sites last night, and the chalk held. There were some pretty close games in at least three of them, I think. Um, but uh, So we've, we've got seeds one through eight that made it through to Cleveland now. Uh, before we get into the four matchups that are going to be in the quarterfinals on Thursday, I have to at least ask you, or I have to at least say this, I am hugely disappointed that uh, Central Michigan and Marcus Keene are not going to be here this weekend. <laughs> I'm absolutely baffled by what happened to that team. I, I watched the game that they played down in Athens against OU, and you know Keene just absolutely lit up the Bobcats. And uh, Braylon Racer, I think his name is the other the other guard they have yep. had a had a huge night as well. Uh, they had a, a columnist from the Ringer in, you know, a national website. They're they're getting, you know, starting to get some real hype. They win that game. They hang ninety seven on OU, and I don't think they won another game the rest of the year. What happened to them? Uh, they gave in to uh, being offense only. This this was a team. They first of all they finished the year by losing eight straight games. Wow. At one point, at one point they were they were as high as the three seed. They didn't win over the last month of the year, and that kind of concluded uh, Monday night at Kent State. But they, they simply didn't defend. Uh, your Their best players, you mentioned Rayson and, and Keen out top, were, were tremendous scores, super fun to watch. But uh, they were so aggravating to watch on the on the other hand when they were playing the, uh, at the other end of the floor. It was clearly a group that, that you know, by and large, there were some exceptions, just didn't care about defense. And you could tell from the effort they put in, uh, on certain plays, they they had schemes, but they didn't really execute them to a high degree. And it became, we're going to score, we're going to score, and if we can't score enough, then you know who the heck cares? You know, we, and it really became evident that there were nights when Keane and Rayson playing 35, 38 minutes a night simply didn't have it in the tank. And when those two guys didn't have it, they didn't have a shot. So they had some bad losses. They could never win a game other than those two guys going off, and it caught up to them at the end of the year. Uh, did you catch any of that game Monday night, by the way? The 116-106 to 106 final, uh, Kent State wins at home against Central Michigan. I, I thought that was a perfect summation of where the Chippewas were at the end of the year. I did. I get- caught the last five minutes of regulation and uh, and then the overtime because I got super frustrated watching the Cavs game. And uh, actually, it was on a tip from you on Twitter to, to check that out. I went and found a stream of it on the Kent State website and um, – Perfect, uh, perfect soundtrack with the the Kent State uh, broadcast team that they had working that game. I hope those guys are stocked up on uh, Red Bull and uh, a full bowl of sugar and whatever else they were on to uh, call that game before uh, they they come to Cleveland because uh, that was pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, they were they were really selling the heck out of it. But uh, that to me that was like it's too bad you couldn't just watch Central Michigan like a split screen. You could only watch them when they were in the offensive end of the floor because it. it it was crazy shot after crazy shot, but they, they clearly didn't have wherewithal or 
attitude or just a want to, to to play on the defensive end of the floor. And and again, they got in that spiral and couldn't get out of it. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I like watching those guys play. Uh, if I'm a coach, I'm not sure I'd like trying to come up with a game plan. But uh, yeah, they're they're gone. And that, that's really disappointing for them after they, like you had said, had kind of captured the imagination of some college, college basketball fans and uh, figured to be a good ticket here in Cleveland. Yeah, I was definitely looking for it. I, I said that was going to be one team that I had circled that I was definitely going to try to see uh, regardless of, of who they were playing um, as long as the, the schedule lined up. But uh, they're gone, but we do have uh, eight teams coming in. Let's uh, let's start with uh, the early game on Thursday afternoon. It's going to be the first quarterfinal. We got the top seed, Akron, and I believe they're playing Eastern Michigan, the eighth seed. Um cool. Akron, Correct. you know, uh, won won the regular season. They they cleared the field by a few games, but not feeling real confident. Um, I, I, they don't feel like an overwhelming favorite, like maybe they have in, in some past years. Uh, I would agree with that. They lost three of their final five games to end the regular season. They lost to the twelve seed Miami. They lost to the number ten seed Bowling Green as part of that that end of the line skid that they got on and. Uh, they got into a little bit of a trap where, uh, you know, they're a three-point shooting team. They're, they build around Isaiah Johnson. That's who they are. That's what they do. Uh, but they haven't been a top-notch defensive team through the course of the season. They haven't been a great rebounding team through the course of the season. So they've had a couple instances here late in the regular season where the threes aren't falling, Quan Cheatham gets in foul trouble, and suddenly they're they're in a real tough spot, and that's what's cropped up lately. So uh, they're the – I, you know, they're they're one of the favorites. I wouldn't say they're the overwhelming favorite. I think they've got a nice deep rotation. Uh, they've got a proven track record of guys who have been in this situation before. They got the toughest post to guard in the entire league in Isaiah Johnson. So there's a lot of positives for them. But uh, and you couple that with a noon start when that's really out of the, you know, the body clocks are set for for evening or late afternoon games. You can see the zip struggle really early on because they're going to have open three pointers against Eastern Michigan's two three zone. They miss some or they miss some of those open looks early. They could start to press and then and, and things could build on that. That's a that's a sleeper of an upset pick in my opinion. That very first game on Thursday. Oh, I like it. We're we're getting the ball rolling early with uh, <laughs> the... because it's an odd start time. Eastern Michigan they they play two three zone exclusively. They've got great length. Uh, they should be able to beat Akron on the glass, and and they're they're a volatile club. The Eagles are very, very up and down. Uh, to give you a good example, they have uh, one of the most dynamic forwards in the league, and James Thompson the fourth. But then he's a guy who disappears through big stretches of the game because he doesn't fight hard for post position. His teammates don't do a good job of getting him the ball, and then he'll have a five minute stretch where he gets eight points and seven rebounds. Uh, they got another guy, Ray Lee. Senior guard, he's been suspended for a gamer here, uh, gamer two every season he's been in Ypsilanti. Uh, but again, he's a he's one of those guys that can catch lightning in the bottle and go off. He had 50 points. He had a 50 point game two weeks ago in just 26 minutes uh, for Eastern, and then he's had other games where he's over 10 from the field. So uh, there's there's a lot of variance with the Eagles, and if if they're on it, if they're having a good day, Akron comes out again that early start and their 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 threes aren't falling that that. Like I said, that could be one that uh, you want to watch closely. <laughs> All right, you're you're already threatening my productivity at work <laughs> on Thursday. So <laughs> uh, let's let's go to the late afternoon game. Uh, good one, four five, Western Michigan and Ball State. Um, you know, this is when we're kind of starting to get into that that dog pile of teams in the middle of the standings. I, I know there was a 
whole lot of teams there. I mean, OU ended up getting the two seed out of it, but what, there were, I think, four teams that in total all finished with the same record? Yeah, there were five teams with the same record entering the final day. Four of the five teams won, so it was a four-way tie for second, and uh, OU won the the multi-team tiebreaker to to get the two seed. Okay. All right, so Western, I know the record's not going to overwhelm a lot of people if they they look at the – the, the sheets ahead of time or whatever, but they're, they're kind of hot here, aren't they? Uh, nine in a row. And to me, they're, they, you know, if they win three times in Cleveland, they would be a tremendous story going into the NCAA tournament. This, this was a team started the year, very young, uh, a lot of freshmen on the roster. And then in December, uh, one of their players was indicted uh, from uh, from a on-campus shooting, oh. a murder in Kalamazoo. Uh, so they lost one of their young guys, in December, uh, with, with the kind of incident that that no one wants to see, so you know they kind of had to deal with that. Uh, kind of had to you know, try to uh, minimizing it, but uh, a tremendous shock to the system there. They begin MAC play; they're terrible, uh, and and then about midway through, something clicked for those guys, and they have not lost in in over a month now. Nine straight wins. They got one of the best guards in the league, and Thomas Wilder up top. They got a savvy senior forward and Tucker Heyman who drives opponents nuts with his ability to draw foul, uh, to draw free throws. Uh, they've got good size on the interior and, and things have just kind of clicked for them lately. So uh, they could be one of those classic teams coming together at exactly the right time. And, and it's been a long time since anyone's figured out a way to beat those guys. Hmm. Ball state on the other hand, I, I know uh, I saw that OU had a pretty interesting game in Muncie against them uh, last month. They're, they're a, uh, they're a solid team that doesn't blow you away with any individual athleticism. They're a, they try to be a, a unit that's greater than the sum of their parts. Uh, point guard transfer Taylor Persons has given that team a, an on-the-floor leader, someone to direct things and been a real asset to them. Uh, post-play is critical for them. Franco House is one of those classic undersized fours that you see in the MAC. He's probably only six, five and a half, but, but thick, muscular, knows how to score around the rim. And Ball State has one of those long and strong combinations. Uh, Franco House is the strong, and uh, Trey Moses is the long. So those two guys work well together inside. And and uh, the three ball is a big part of their attack too. So uh, we you, you've seen it in the NBA. I think we even talked about this last year on the on the podcast how the three pointers become such an integral part, no matter what what layer of basketball you're playing at. And and Ball State has been near the front of that movement in the MAC. So. Strong three ball uh, component for them. Uh, they've been sort of consistent most of the year and one of those teams that's been kind of like laying in the weeds. No one's really talked about them all year. They've just kind of been hanging around near the top of the standings. All right. Well, there's another team in the, in the MAC that I think you're very familiar with that uh, has a penchant for the three ball. Um, <laughs> my beloved Bobcats, uh, let's, uh, you know what? Why not? Let's, let's go ahead and get into that. That's the, that's the next game up. It's the early evening game on Thursday. They're playing Toledo. Um, really a, an interesting season for Ohio here. They they had uh, Tony Campbell, the Mac player of the year last year, coming back. And, uh, you know, then he, he goes down with an injury. Why don't you tell everybody what happened with him and really the way um, uh, OU's been able to kind of reinvent itself here on the fly. Uh, so the Bobcats uh, started the season in, in my opinion, there there were two clearly there were clearly two teams above the the rest of the field, Akron and Ohio, and this this is the way I felt back in November, 
and you get to early January and it's kind of shaping uh, shaping up to be that Ohio at that point was 11 and three. They were three and zero in the Mac. And then on January 14th, Antonio Campbell leaves the game with uh, Eastern Michigan two and a half minutes into it. And uh, it turns out that he uh, will never play. <laughs> will never play again in Ohio uniform. He broke a bone in his left foot. He's a big guy, foot injuries. Those can be problematic. And uh, so Ohio, they had, this will be their third season. Now they had one season from October through January 14th. The Campbell injury happened. They had to adjust to find out some things that would work, find a new rotation. And they kind of figured a few things out as Mac play drug on. Now they took some losses. They took some lumps along the way. And now they're hoping that the lessons learned will, will pay off here in the third season, uh, the tournament. So, uh, Campbell it was one of my favorite players because he could do so many things as a big guy. Uh, he could shoot the three. He was comfortable handling the basketball, uh, distributing it. Uh, he was one of the one of the the great aspects of his game that was always under soul was his ability to defend in the post. And uh, in my opinion, probably could have been the MAC Defensive Player of the Year this year if he had not gotten hurt. Given how you know who else got named to that team this week, but. Uh, a huge, huge loss. It's uh, it's akin to Akron playing all year with Isaiah Johnson and then having him gone uh, starting in mid-January. You, you build everything around the knowledge that this guy is going to be there and do certain things, and this is how we're going to play off him, and this is how opponents are going to have to defend, and, and then and then boom, in a blink of an eye, it's gone and it's all changed. And so I think Ohio deserves a ton of credit for for finding a way to to not cave in given given that kind of bad luck. And they've had some guys pick them up. Uh, Jerron Simmons, the junior point guard, has played at a very high level since Campbell's injury. And the guy that's really kind of saved him this year has been a freshman. Freshman forward, Jason Carter, uh, again, about six, six and a half, maybe six, seven, playing out of position at the center, uh, but has great footwork, good fundamentals, uh, has a lot of old school type moves around the bucket, and has quickly become one of the more productive post players in the entire conference. He's allowed them to get some sort of offensive balance inside, outside. Uh, now, he doesn't demand double teams like Campbell did, which opened up those shooters. So they've had to adjust and knowing that they're going to have fewer open looks from the arc than they used to. But but he's done a heck of a job of keeping them relevant. And, and the Bobcats were, were a three-point heavy team early in the season. As teams have started playing them more straight up, you know, they don't have to worry about rolling with Campbell to the bucket or the high screen and roll with Campbell flaring. Uh, they've been able to play the Bobcats a little more straight up. So shooters like Kenny Kaminsky and Jordan Dardis haven't had the kind of looks they had early in the year. But uh, so they've had to adjust from being a pretty three point heavy team to, to one that has to be more balanced, has to do more uh, inside the arc than, than they were doing before. But they've, they've done a great job in adjusting offensively and defensively. The, the real surprise to me is that somehow, even without Campbell, this team, Ohio was able to finish the year as the number one team in the Mac defensively, both in scoring defense, field goal percentage defense and defensive efficiency, which, you know, if you told me 12 months ago they were going to go from like 10th in the MAC in those categories to number one, I, I would have thought that was impossible. But, but they pulled it off, and now they, you know, they got the two seed and got a chance to win this tournament again, again uh, because of it. I, you know, I was at an alumni event here in Cleveland last spring, and Coach Saul Phillips spoke to the crowd there, and he said over and over and over again, "We are going to be a better defensive team next year." And hey, made it happen. There you go. He's a he, he's a very straight uh, shooter in that way. And th that when he says something or we're going to do this or this is going to happen uh, in my experience in three years, it 
it happens. Uh, so, and that was another example of it. it. That was the focus from last March through through the end of August, and then when they started preseason practice, uh, and it's paid off uh, in a lot of different ways for them on the floor. Feels like he'd be a good guy to work with in terms of you know for your job, you know, covering the Ohio beat uh, for the paper. Um, just in the few minutes I got to talk with him last year, just always has struck me as being a really great guy and um, a, a good voice um, for the program and, and a good guy to be uh, running the, the uh, Ohio basketball program. Uh, he's, he's tremendous in his availability uh, and his honesty and his willingness to, uh, to, to talk to you like a person, not always like a coach reporter relationship. And, and that's, that's how he handles business with his players too. I mean, there, there's certainly a coach, player component but but most of his interactions are at a you know a more personal level or a more one-on-one level and he's a guy that that loves his job loves where he's at and, and is always doing something uh that he doesn't always get credit for uh in terms of uh helping someone out in this town doing something for this kid uh that that that's that's how he's wired and that he but at the but at the same time isn't trying to make people aware he's doing these things like um there was a there was a game earlier this season ohio's got an in-game promotion where if you get where if ohio scores 70 points everyone gets a coupon for a free dessert from a from a fast food pizza chain <laughs> they, they got 69 points minute left to go in the game and they hold the ball so the the fans sarcastically boo uh, because there's there's no lava cake coming because they didn't hit the 70 point mark. Uh, in his post game press conference, Saul Phillips says, "Anyone that felt they were cheated, please write him a letter, and uh, he will do their best to to make amends for it." And he he got a handful of letters from kids that said, "You know, I was I was really looking forward to the lava cake. Can you please get me a free lava cake?" And uh, he 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 got back to several of those kids with with coupons for 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 the dessert item. Uh, uh, eventually. Huh. Uh, so he's, 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 he's a man of his word on most items and uh, a very personable, very friendly, very fun guy. And, and you're right. If, if every coach was as easy to get along with as, as Saul Phillips, there would be fewer problems in the media industry as a whole. <laughs> All right. Well, in fairness, we need to get a few words in here about Toledo. Um, oh yeah. Uh, the Rockets now, the, the Rockets to me are, are one of the best offensive teams in the league. And they beat Ohio earlier this season, 79-76 in the convo. That was uh, the second game that Jason Carter ever started. Uh, now, he had 20 points, but uh, Steve Taylor, the, the, the big for the Rockets, really ate him alive in the second half, had 25 points, 15 rebounds. And uh, that, to me, will be the crux of their rematch on Thursday. Can Ohio do something to get him out of rhythm? Because they couldn't in the first game. And uh, it, it really it really hurt the Bobcats down the stretch in that one. So, Jason Carter, he's he's feeling better and more confident than he was th- at that point. Uh, will it be enough? Will the Bobcats have done enough things with their interior defense to make Taylor less of a factor? And if they can do that, they'll have a good shot to win. But uh, this game could be both teams in the mid '80s because both can really score it uh, when they're when they're operating at peak efficiency. Yeah, not gonna lie, this matchup makes me a little nervous as an Ohio fan. Um, the the entire side of the bracket, to be honest with you, because. <laughs> Yeah, you know, if we're looking at the next game here with, uh, you know, the winner of Ohio and Toledo will play the winner of the final game of the day. That's Kent State and Buffalo. Uh, you know, uh, we talked a little bit about Kent State uh, earlier on and and uh, their uh, amped up broadcast crew. But um, <laughs> I, I'm 
I'm pretty impressed with Buffalo just in terms of, you know, they, they, they lost their coach, Bobby Hurley, after he got them to the tournament a couple years ago. They came back last year, won the conference tournament and got back to the NCAAs again. Um, I think, didn't they lose another key player? Didn't they have somebody else transfer out after last season? Well, you, uh, to give you a rundown on Buffalo's last three years, so they, they win the tournament with Bobby Hurley. Uh, Bobby Hurley takes the job at Arizona State. Uh, that offseason, uh, Shannon Evans, Hollywood, as he was known around the back, Ooh. transfers, follows Hurley to, to Arizona State. Uh, he was a playmaker. He was an athlete, a dynamic guy. So that that so then after the coach leaves, after that transfer, Buffalo gets back to the tournament final, wins it again, and then Last offseason, Lamonte Bearden, uh, the team's point guard for both of those tournament runs, transfers to Western Kentucky. And somehow, someway, the Bulls have just continued to load up with athletes, especially at the perimeter positions, and, and again, will be an awful tough out. Blake Hamilton, Willie Connor, two senior slashers, you know, in that 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six range, can do things off the dribble, can be just hot enough from the arc to really scare you. And then they've got, a, they've got quality depth up front. Uh, with big guys like David Kadiri, uh, Nick Perkins, uh, Kenneth Smart, so they they don't they don't wow you with their their technical proficiency, uh, but they're deep. Uh, they've improved defensively as the year went along, and they have guys that can make shots against anyone they're playing against. And, and by that I mean especially off the dribble, uh, Connor uh, Hamilton, C.J. Massenburg. So they're they're scary, and, and Kent State to a lesser degree. Uh, with more emphasis on Jimmy Hall, who's had a really good year up front in the post for, for the flashes. Their guards are a little more hit or miss than what you've seen from from Buffalo. But if Avery is hitting like he was the other night, if Jalen Walker gets on a hot streak, if Deion Edwin continues his stretch of just incredible play over the last three weeks, you know, it's Buffalo, Kent State, again, those get those two teams could get hot like any like any of four others in this bracket. And win the whole thing. That thing's going to be a war tomorrow night. Now uh, that feels Thursday, like a, a, a championship game caliber matchup, and it's only you, a quarterfinal. Yeah, you've got you've got older guys, uh, Kent State guys trying to get there for the first time. This is their last shot. You've got the Buffalo guys that have been there, done that, not ready to give it up. They play with a similar style, a similar swagger, uh, and, and that that thing is going to be intense and. Uh, I anticipate a, a real knockdown, drag out kind of game with with the Bulls and the Flashes. You know, the, the one thing, and you you had alluded to this, but you know, so much of how I perceive teams in the MAC, it's what they look like when they play Ohio. Because I mean, ninety five percent of the games I'm watching involve the Bobcats. But um, the game that Buffalo played in the Convo a couple weeks ago, I was just really blown away by the athleticism and the physicality of the Buffalo front line. And th- those th- those post players that they have and those forwards just look really impressive, and I think they're going to be a nightmare for anybody to deal with. That's that's what they they hang their hat on: athleticism, uh, push pace, crash glass, and, and to to a lesser extent, that's what Kent State crashes the glass even more. But again, it's it's about athleticism, it's about what you can do off the dribble, guard the man in front of you. And then there are other teams in the conference who put more emphasis on on team defense or, or, or fundamental help defense kind of deal, like, like a Toledo, uh, like an Ohio. So th- those interesting contrasting styles will, will come into play later in the bracket, I think, when you look at a, a, a really uber-athletic team like a Buffalo against a team that, that plays a little more system-oriented like a Western Michigan. Those, those to me, are the, the fun matchups, whichever style can, can pan out. And, and if, 
you're a Bobcat fan, you, you shouldn't be too discouraged. Ohio, again, without their best player, played Kent State and, and Buffalo back-to-back late in the season and had chances to win both games, uh, despite maybe being outgunned a little bit athletically or in terms of the number of guys they're playing. Ohio's ability to, to cover up gaps w- with the team defense, I think, can, can really pay off in a tournament setting. And Ohio's ability to stretch the floor with, with high-level shooters like Dardis and Kaminsky can, can be a difference maker as well. So uh, I, I would agree Buffalo, Kent State are probably the two most athletic teams in this field. But again, one of those is going to knock the other one off. So if you're a, t- if you're a fan of, uh, of the Bobcats, you only have to go through one of those teams, ideally. Uh, instead of both of them, and that's that's assuming, of course, you can get by Toledo, which is a bit of a mirror match. Well, I might try to sneak down there for one of the next couple of nights um, for the preliminary rounds, but I will definitely be um, in the building on Saturday night for the championship game. Here's hoping uh, Ohio, uh, our, our Bobcats here, will uh, will be joining me. Um, just a couple more questions before sure. uh, we let you get out of here. Um any big overarching storylines that you're going to be kind of keeping an eye on, or you think that uh, if, if there are fans here in the Cleveland area that, um, you know, are, are kind of getting indoctr- indoctrinated to um, Mac basketball this week with, with the tournament in town that they should be keeping an eye on? Well, until two weeks ago, you know, they did talk about an at large bid for Akron was very real. And then they had to go out and, like I said, lose three of their last five, including losses to two of the worst teams in the league, which um, kind of put the, the, the kibosh on all that talk. So that's that's usually one of the big talking points around the MAC tournament. Is there a team that is on the bubble or has done enough to, to, to gain some consideration? Akron was in that spot a year ago. Looked like they were going to be in that spot this year. Didn't happen. Didn't pan out. And and to me, the maybe the most important story, not important storyline, but one of the ones I'm going to be following is if Western Michigan continues to win, how much traction their their whole story gains? Because it is pretty remarkable how far that team's come in, in such a short time. And uh, the Bobcats again with their injury situation, they've got four scholarship players out for the season with injuries, including the best player in the league. To to, to see them advance and maybe have a shot to get to the NCAA's would pretty would be pretty dramatic. And and, and again that. The MAC is parity-driven this year more than more than any other, I think, and and sometimes that doesn't accurately reflect uh, how good some of the coaching or how good some of the programs are in the league. So I hope fans take that into consideration. You're not seeing 27 and four type teams out on the floor, but from top to bottom, the the MAC is definitely one of the top 15 conferences in in America, and. Uh, you're going to see a level of desire and uh, want to uh, these next three days in Cleveland. That should be pretty entertaining to watch. Any of the players you think that are going to be showing up here this weekend, anybody that's got uh, realistic NBA prospects? Uh, realistically, there, there are a couple guys. Uh, Akron's Quan Cheatham, I think has the build, the body type to, to be an NBA player. He's, he's a legit six ten. Can can maybe play the three in in some lineups, but but a guy who isn't a center, but is one of those athletic three four type guys. I think he, and he's not done developing. I think he's got a lot of room to grow as a player yet. He's a guy down the road I could see making that jump. Um, Isaiah Johnson not so much doesn't play high enough above the rim given the position he plays. Um, Blake Hamilton is a guy I've liked uh, for a couple years now for Buffalo. He's again a six six kind of guy. Can he? Can he be a two at the next level? Uh, so there's some question marks about him. And then uh, 
we mentioned Marcus Keene, and and unfortunately, you don't you guys don't get to see him, but it's uh, I'll be keeping tabs on him to see one whether he comes back to Central Michigan next year, and if not, what kind of shot he gets at the next level because he is he's some kind of shot maker, man. It's hard to imagine he could raise his profile any more at, at Central next year after after the season he had. Their team has certainly room for growth and terms of uh, especially like the defensive end, like you were saying, but uh, it, from an individual perspective, I can't imagine what more he could do. Yeah. You average 30 a game this year. If you come back next year and you average 28, people are going to go, you know, what happened? What's going on? Uh, so I think whether he tries to graduate and, and grad transfer, or if he just says the heck with it and, and tries to start playing somewhere overseas or in the developmental league, uh, I, I don't see Marcus King coming back for, for a curtain call next year in the mid-american conference all right so everybody can read your coverage on athensmessenger.com and we can keep up with you on twitter at jason a messenger is that right that is correct perfect well jason always great to catch up with you it's uh, it's been a lot of fun i uh, can't wait to uh, go check out the games this week uh, thanks a lot for uh, taking the time i appreciate it tom have a good one all right too All right, there you go. Jason Arkley from the uh, Athens Messenger. Thanks again to him. Guy's a machine. Unbelievable. He could just uh, blow through every single one of those games and uh, and give you the book on every one of the teams that are going to be coming to town. And uh, I really do think it's going to be a fun tournament. And, Trev, I'm not going to lie. I uh, I kind of feel like with the way the Cavs have been going here, um, I'm kind of ready for a little bit of a break. I, I, I need a, a little bit of a, a reset. I was kind of frustrated watching the game. Uh, last night, uh, these last two games really against Miami, first on Saturday and then and then Monday, the uh, the home loss. Yeah, it's um, I think I feel like Cavs are sort of in a lull right now. They had a great February, um, made a couple moves at the trade deadline. One of those uh, didn't didn't exactly end. I think the way the way they hoped it would. Um, but now, yeah, they lost three out of the last four. They're looking a little sluggish right now. Um, lost two in a row to the heat now caveat one of those was without lebron and Kyrie. so you know take what you want with that but um they sort of seem like they're you know kind of plodding along and 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 sort of sort of like you see down the stretch of any regular season they're just trying to get to the postseason i think at this point which it might be a little early to start looking ahead but um it it sort of seems like that's where they're at at times you know here's the thing and and i'm gonna First off, I, I promised you before we started recording, we weren't going to make any uh, any jokes about the uh, the Andrew Bogut era being over before it began. But I have to say, at least, it was a terrible sign that when I turned the game on last night in the early second quarter, literally the only time I see Andrew Bogut in a Cavs uniform is being carried off the floor with a broken leg. Um, just not great. And that sucks. And, you know. it's a, yeah, it's a it's a bummer. I mean, I think you and I were probably uh, lukewarm on what we thought he was actually going to be able to provide in the first place. Right. Um, but that being said, I mean, that's just kind of a bummer. You know, they, they found a guy that they thought could help him and he, he couldn't make it an entire minute. So, <laughs> um, you know, LeBron I mean, said in the post game, he actually heard Bogut's leg break. And I could tell you as somebody who broke his ankle in two places seven years ago, I heard that same sound when my leg broke 
and that is about the most sickening sound you could hear. So um, if other people could hear that around him, that, that, that could not have been, um, that could not have been good. So uh feel bad for him, but uh, the check's still clear. So I, I think Andrew Bogut's going to be all right. But uh, yeah, I think I heard today it, it cost, a, it cost uh, Dan Gilbert about a million bucks after his salary and the tax penalty that'll be, that'll come along with it. Um, so it was a pricey minute that I think uh, it, it is what it is. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll take it out of that tax money he's getting for the stadium, I guess. Hmm. But um, yeah, well, it, it's, it's a weird story, but I will say for what we really expected, I don't know that it's a huge setback for the Cavs overall. Um, certainly you don't, you don't want that to happen to anybody though. So sort of a bummer from that perspective, but onward and upward, I guess. Yeah. And we'll, uh, we'll leave the memories alone with, with Andrew Bogut. Um, that said, um, you know, you had mentioned the Cavs are just kind of starting to look ahead towards the playoffs and, and they're kind of in a, in a lull right now. And I gotta be honest, you know, in the grand scheme of things, and I'm going to get up on my soapbox here for a minute, so my apologies in advance. But in the grand scheme of things, obviously, we can't really complain about anything given how last season went and the fact that, by and large, for the big picture, you know, everything's on focused on getting back to the finals again this June. And in in the big picture, I guess all the pieces are still in place to make that happen. That said, I can't help but feel a little bit like we've been robbed of a fun regular season with, with the way this year has gone. It just, it feels to me like that lull that you're talking about has, with a couple of exceptions that, that I can note here, for the most part, it feels like that lull has been the entire year. Yeah, no, I don't think that's I don't think that's a soapbox. I think we, I think honestly, I think we kind of expected that. I don't I don't know if you went back to the beginning of the season and said how many legit, meaningful, exciting regular season games do you expect? We would have picked out, you know, the couple against the Warriors, the couple, you know, couple against the Spurs, maybe, maybe if there was some sort of rivalry that was built within the Eastern Conference that could have developed, but I don't think we knew who that was going to be. Um, I, it just kind of is what it is right now. There's no one that's really, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm a homer, but I just think right now there's no one that's on the same level as the Cavs. So and even if the standings might say there's a couple teams close, does anyone actually think that there's, you know, that Boston or, Washington is a legit threat to beat the Cavs in the playoffs. I don't, and I don't really hear anyone else saying that they think there is. So we shouldn't really be surprised that the regular season is kind of just a slow march to the playoffs. The thing is, though, with that, like, I can remember past years, especially in the first LeBron era, not so much in the second LeBron era, where the regular season, I mean, there were some fun games, and there were a lot of nights where they were firing on all cylinders. And it just feels like constantly this year, it's been, it's, it hasn't been a bad season. I mean, the Cavs are still in first place at the East and they're pretty much exactly where we thought they were going to be. But it was like, at first it was like, well, you know, we just got to wait for the backup point guard situation to get settled. And, 
Well, then we got to wait for Mike Dunleavy's corpse to reanimate here and actually become a viable NBA player again. And, you know, then it was, well, we, we got rid of Dunleavy, but now we got to figure out how Corver's going to fit in. Well, now we, we got these other new pieces and, and we got to see if, if DeAndre Liggins or Kay Felder or, or Jordan McRae, you know, if one of those guys can actually stick in the rotation and God knows they got plenty of chances and, you know, then it's, uh, well, we just got to wait on JR. You know, we just got to wait on Kevin Love. I mean, just the injuries alone. I, I saw a great stat from Jason Lloyd over at The Athletic um, from his, his final thoughts after last night's game. The Cavs have already missed, their players combined have missed 99 games this year. That's more than they missed all of last season. And just for comparison's sake, the Warriors have missed 57 and the Spurs have only missed 50. So it's like, for all that, and yes, the Cavs are still in a good place and, and they're fine. And we know that they're pretty much going to have the nucleus intact here going to the playoffs, barring anything else happening, which God knows that that's always a possibility. Um, we just, we haven't really seen this group all together. Like the team that they're actually going to roll out when the playoffs start in mid-April. I don't know what that looks like. We've never seen it. And that's another part of probably why this season hasn't been terribly exciting. It's because there's always, it, it's constantly them with, you know, a new lineup trying something new. You look, they've added four guys over the last, what, three months in Corver, then Derek Williams, then Darren Williams, then Bogut, then not Bogut. And probably going to be somebody else replacing him. At yeah. Some point here. So, so I, I think that's it is every, every game has sort of been one of those like tinkering games where they're, where they're trying to work some things out and get, you know, get things settled and get everybody acclimated. And it's not like they're not at full strength, obviously. And they just kind of keep moving along trying to get, you know, towards where they want to be for the end of the season. So I, I don't know that, and, and maybe that's that's probably a, an area of concern is that, you know, they haven't really had an opportunity to, to get um, get going with everybody. They got go full strength and, you know, iron out that sort of stuff that, that you'd expect to sort of be ironed out by now. But um, the moves that they're making are making them better, you'd think, it's just it's we just not, have to see it. <laughs> yeah, you just got to see it still, and that's going to take a little bit of time. There's only 20 games going, so the time that they have is 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 running out rapidly. But, um, you know, yeah, like you said, we'll we'll just have to see it in action and and trust that they'll get there. And I think we have, you know, that that LeBron guy tends to be pretty good about getting everybody on the same page come playoff time. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's not always going to be fun and exciting, and you know interesting basketball because a lot of it is sort of that um the process for lack of a better term and i hate that because it's like a, a lame cliche that people reference all the time but that's really what it is is them just working towards where they want to be um it's not the the flashy exciting sexy stuff yet it's the the grunt work for lack of a better term yeah and again i mean to be 100 percent fair here this this all there, there's no reason to think it it won't work out and things won't be firing uh, on all cylinders like you would hope by the time you start getting into the real crunch time of the playoffs but um i'm just i'm eager to see it because it's like on paper this team should be incredible and we keep talking about the depth 
and and as we have yet another game after game go by where LeBron's somehow playing another 40 minutes but um I really I, I'm I'm really curious to see like what this team looks like and what the rotations will look like once they have everybody in um because I mean I think there are some guys who frankly have gotten a lot of minutes over the course of this season and maybe played a pivotal role in last year's postseason and last year's regular season, who I think are going to be on the outside looking in when we get down to serious business in the later rounds of the playoffs this year. Yeah, I think that's that's sort of always the way it goes, though. Um, yeah, I mean... Rotations naturally shorten when you get to the playoffs. That's just the way it goes. Yep. Um, th- that shouldn't really surprise anybody. Um, it'll be interesting to see who it is. I think in the three names that I've heard pop up and I'm, I'm betting that you're on the same page as I am are uh, Shump, Fry, and uh, JR. Um, Fry's looked really, really out of sorts lately, and I don't know what it is exactly, what's causing it, but he's looked, he's been a, a liability the last couple games. Um, and he's one of those guys that last year, you know, he hit some huge shots, um, had a couple games that were just monsters and he's had that at times this year too. But, um, lately it, it sort of seems like, you know, gas might be running out or something. I don't know what it is, but, um, it'll be interesting to see how those rotations look when they do get love and JR back. Um, but other than that, it's just. I don't know. I mean, what do you think? What do you think playoff rotations are going to look like if you had to guess now? Well, you said how many guys do you think they're going to play? I said Jr. I meant RJ. Yeah, that's 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 what I was going to ask. But um, you know, that's that's the old adage. You and when you get into the playoffs, you play eight and you trust seven. And um, you know, I, I mean, I think you're looking at the starting five that we all would expect of of Kyrie and Jr. in the backcourt and LeBron and Kevin Love and Tristan obviously up front. Um, Corver is going to be Corver will be Corver's the sixth man, and um, um, Darren Williams is going to play. Darren a fair Williams amount, I would obviously think. will be a a very key guy coming in to to run the second unit in the backcourt. Um, I could see Derek Williams uh, getting getting He's some minutes. He's an interesting one, isn't but he? the other guy, I I I think Richard Jefferson will will get more minutes than other people are are expecting. He he's one of those guys that just kind of has that uh um that old man game i guess a little bit he can he can still get it done he's he's he can still he's still got some ups we've seen him yeah, hammer home a few, few dunks on guys he's thrown down a few this year sure um you know and and i just he's kind of one of those guys that's just got the right temperament for that moment but um just in terms of what you were saying about fry have you listened at all to the road tripping podcast that he does with uh, RJ I have not listened to like a full one. I've heard I've heard parts of it here and there, but I haven't listened to a full one yet. No. All right, so I listened to the one last week with Corver, and it was super interesting to me. And I think it kind of helps illustrate just what is goes into a lot of what we see in these games. And what they were talking about was just how much Channing Fry's job within the team has changed based on how their their unit their their second unit is constructed this year and how last year he was basically able to just camp out on the three point line 
And when you got guys like LeBron and Kyrie driving and kicking, he was one of those guys that was benefiting from that, getting those open looks on the outside. And this year, with Corver coming in, especially, Corver's the guy that's getting a lot of those shots, and Fry's being the guy who's who's being asked to get stuck doing all the dirty work of setting screens. And I think it's kind of taken a toll on him. If you I mean if you're setting screens all day and you're not particularly a, a guy who's known for being a physical player, I think it's going to take a toll on you. And I think it's going to affect what kind of rhythm you're going to be able to uh, develop in terms of getting shots. So um, one of those things that I, I don't know that necessarily gets enough attention from um, the guys that are covering the team day in and day out. I don't think that's an angle that's been particularly discussed, but uh, the way he explained it on that podcast, it actually kind of made a lot of sense. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, and I was one of those guys that when they traded for him, I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't really expect a whole lot out of him. Honestly, I thought he was kind of, you know, I thought he was already running on fumes at that point. And I was a hundred percent wrong. Um, he came in and provided a pretty big spark last year. Um, the thing is, I think they're asking him to do more of that. Like you said, more of that physical stuff. And at times play more of like a center because he is one of the, you know, he's one of the couple guys that is physically, you know, the size that you would expect a center to be, but that's just not his game. Um, and I think that's maybe that's going to eat into his minutes. I think a lot is we're going to, he's not going to be able to, to be in and do that stuff on a day uh, game in game out basis. So, I think his his minutes will get probably diminished, but I think that'll probably be better for him. He'll be a little bit fresher and he'll be able to do that stuff that he did so well last year, um, a little more consistently than he is right now because they are leaning on him quite a bit. And a lot of that is because you know they're missing two of their five starters right now, so everybody's sure. got to chip in a little bit more. So that's just sort of the way it is. When those guys come back, it'll be interesting to see how that looks and see where those minutes go. But I think it'll probably even out about to where we expect it to. Um, but yeah, just sort of looking forward to see how that looks. The good news here is that it sounds like Jr. is going to be back probably within a week or so. Um, I wouldn't even be totally shocked to see him playing by Sunday, the, the game at Houston on Sunday night, which yet again, that's a game that should be an awesome matchup in the regular season. And the NBA screws itself by putting that and the cat putting the Cavs on the second night of a back to back in the final game of a road trip. Um, so I could see it being entirely possible that that's a game that LeBron and or Kyrie set out. Um, so, uh, we'll see what happens with that, but I, well, I let's just hope Jr. can keep, uh, keep himself from going at Rodney Magruder or whoever the hell he was getting a <laughs> fight with the other night. That was bizarre. Uh, yeah. Someone almost caught those hands and those hands need to recover. So that's right. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess I shouldn't be surprised of all people. Who would you think? Yeah. Who is going to be hurt sitting on your bench and getting a fight with someone? J.R. Smith is probably a pretty logical choice. So, um, but still pretty entertaining and funny, uh, from that, from that aspect, it is nice to see him traveling with the team right now. Um, I think that shows us that, yeah, he's pretty damn close and that's, that'll be refreshing when he comes back. He'll have a little bit of time to get situated. He's not going to get thrown right in. I think with Kevin Love, we're expecting his, his time to get, you know, acclimated again is going to be pretty short. I think he, yeah, he, he might be back sooner than, than we think too. I, I, um, I don't know. I, I think we could yeah. be only a couple of weeks away for him. So, I mean, with any okay. luck, hopefully get those guys back by the, you know, 
you know, within the next couple of weeks and, and get a few weeks to play a little bit here before the, the lights come on for the playoffs. Um, last thing I have to ask you about with the Cavs, speaking of entertaining and funny and uh, other podcasts, uh, I sent you a, a text about this yesterday, the Zach Lowe podcast from ESPN with uh, with David Griffin. Did you listen to this? I did not have a chance to listen to it. Today. You no. and everybody um, listening to this, listening to us, do yourself a solid and go look that up and listen to it. It was a tremendous interview. It went about 30 minutes and it was really great stuff, but sounds like you're about to say something there. No, I was just saying, I heard him talking a little bit um, on the radio the other day and he was talking about, you know, sort of what goes into the trade deadline and um, sort of how this specific trade deadline panned out and how he thought things could turn out. Like, I think he even said on there at one point, like, he thought he was a little nervous that Boston might get um, Paul George and Jimmy Butler, which would have been a pretty wild, <laughs> pretty wild turn of events. Yes. Um, but it's kind of crazy to listen to some from, from that at, from that point of view. Um, what's, you know, sort of where their mindset is while all that sort of craziness is going on. And even when, um, I think some of the craziest stuff that happens at the trade deadline is the trades that actually don't get completed. You know, you hear some of the things that, that were pretty close. And when you think about it, you're like, well, well, wow. I didn't really, <laughs> I'd never would have seen that coming. The fact that they got as close as they did is, is sort of surprising. So, yeah. Um, well, yeah, he, I definitely plan to check that out. Yeah. He bet he goes into that, that whole scenario a little bit. He talks uh, some of the behind the scenes stuff that, what went into getting Kevin Love and LeBron a couple summers ago and, and just some of the craziness behind the scenes. And that was a lot riskier for the Cavs than I think I had even realized. And um, I, I don't want to give away the whole podcast, but it sounds like before the LeBron thing became a possibility, they had three other guys who were all basically ready to, to go with the Cavs, ready to sign with the Cavs and all you know, when, when the LeBron thing came up, it, it just changed everything. And those guys all signed elsewhere and we never got the names of who they were, but I'm, I'm dying to know who that is. But the, the, the great offbeat uh, note that we got towards the end of it in the Cavs offices, they now have an NBA jam arcade game, which on, on its own would be awesome enough. You know, my affinity for NBA Jam, it's sure, uh, sure. obviously with the name of our show and, and the soundbite you hear in our opening music, it's it's a clip from the game. But um, as awesome as that is, they have guys on their staff who have some programming chops and they went in and actually added members of the front office to the game. So David Griffin and his lead assistant on his staff are a team on the game. And uh, they, you can play with them against like NBA guys, which I think is just uh, would be like the coolest thing ever. That's pretty hysterical. I, I think we need to like track these guys down and get a special nail edition and, and have uh, uh, you and I as a team on there. I, I think that would be fantastic. That would be hilariously entertaining as long as, you know, our attributes are accurate. Um, I'm all for that. Oh, Griff Personal even, life. he came right out and said, he goes, the way they built me on that game is nothing like what he is in real life. He's like, oh yeah, in that game, I'm, he's got like nines across the board for all his rankings. And, <laughs> hell yeah, uh, that's the way you got to do it. That, uh, of course. Oh. Of course. Yeah, no, I would, uh, I'd expect myself to be like all of five, six, 
<laughs> about a three on the speed. Uh, a bunch of bunch of twos and threes across the board, basically. You, they'd um, have to give you I'm the chucking. outstanding range. I'm coming though. in chucking. Yeah, yeah. You you know you got to heave up the uh, the 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 three pointer from the reflection of the lights on the court or whatever the. Uh, the secret was in that game, but oh man, God, I love that game. I I I spent hours playing that when I was growing up. But uh, that's one of those ones. Like every once in a while, I go up to that uh to sixteen bit that place with the arcade games over here in Lakewood. Yes, uh, pretty cool spot. They actually have one in Columbus too that I used to go to every once in a while. Um, there there's like a handful of games that always you know that you always want to get on NBA Jam, NFL Bullets is one of them, um, and actually the homage at crocker park has a has an nba jam arcade game in it ah and stop in and play whenever you want they'll even give you a free they'll even give you a free coke if you're there that's keep that in mind yeah they know how to treat you people (laughs) Uh, they've gotten plenty of money from me i uh actually i i finally caved in on their last sale i bought the boom shakalaka t-shirt and smart yeah smart that's that'll that'll be my summer uniform so Nice. That's hysterical. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty funny. I'd love to see that game in action. Actually, that's it's kind of funny that that someone would actually go through the effort of doing that. Yeah, um, pretty funny. Time well spent. Uh, so this is what you can work on when you have no assets to worry about trying to trade. You uh, have extra time on your hands. You could go learn coding and you know, rebuild NBA Jam to put yourself in the game um, at yeah, work. Dan, I'm I'm sure Dan Gilbert loves the fact that he's. He's way over the the tax threshold, and he's paying record amount of extra money that he doesn't need to pay. And he's got dudes getting paid to design video games. But you never know; they might have put him in the game with with some good ratings as well. If they were oh, smart, I, they did. Yeah, exactly. You know, once uh, once the raises come back out, you don't want to be the guy that uh, stiffed the boss in the video game. <sighs> that's that's that that would be a bad bad move. Not good for business. Not good for anybody. Um, anything else here before we shut it down? <laughs> Not really. I mean, yeah, if you're a, if you're a college hoops fan strap, in, it's going to be an exciting week here. Um, next week, I'm guessing we'll probably try to get on and preview the tournament a little bit. Yeah, we'll see. I got a couple things in the works here. We'll, we'll see what All we can right. come up with. All but, right. uh, oh, oh, college basketball. I have to ask you about this. I, I want this recorded on, on the podcast just because, you and I texted about it earlier today. Are, are we sure Thad Mata is going to be at the Big Ten tournament next week? Is he okay? No, rumor, rumor is he's dying. <laughs> he's not actually dying. I, I want to, you know, make that a hundred percent clear. But that was the uh, the story that floated out today uh, from one of the guys who covers the team. He said there was uh, Thad had, had told him apparently there is another coach in the Big Ten who is telling kids that he's recruiting that he knows. Ohio State's recruiting that, uh, hey, you should be aware Thad Bata Don't is dying. Don't go to Ohio State. Don't go to Ohio State. <laughs> Thad Bata is dying. <laughs> and it's it's hysterical because, I mean, it's not really hysterical because that's pretty slimy and fucked up. But um, his, like, Thad has some pretty serious, like, back problems. He's, he, he's, he, he pretty much lives every day in discomfort. And... He's for, to his credit, he's powered through it. I mean, he, he's never missed a day of work. He always shows up and does what he has to do to to get the job done. Um, this is sort of a down year for him, obviously, but um, yeah, it's literally it, it's just the fact that he has like a, a back 
issue, and I don't know exactly what it is, but it's pretty well chronicled over the last several years what it is. So the fact that someone would take, yeah, he's got a bad back to he's dying is it's just a bit off the wall to me. I'm not. I'm not sure I get how they expected that to fly, but oh, um, it's just awful. Like it's just it's ridiculous. I mean, like it's, back problems things, are, a, are a are a thing, and that 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 sucks. And, yeah, you and know, it's uncomfortable, and it's not good, and yeah, all of that. But it is a it's a long way from dying, though. God, yeah, I I don't know, man. That's somebody is is begging for the lightning bolt to crash down on their gym. Um, man, I don't know. But uh, anyway, on on that uh, wonderful note, uh, I I think we're at a good stopping point for this week. What do you say? Yeah, sounds good. All right. So uh, this is your first time checking out our show. Uh, We do this uh, just about every week, and you can listen to all of our old episodes on our website, which is thenailpodcast.com. You can subscribe to our show and catch all of our new episodes as soon as they go up on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play Music or whatever other podcast listening app you might use on your phone. And uh, go like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Nail Podcast. We occasionally put up stuff uh, outside of just our new episodes. We'll uh, share some other stories and pictures and other random stuff there. So it's uh, always a good time. So uh, go enjoy college basketball's championship week here and uh for travis yuley uh it's tom valentino our thanks again to jason arkley from the athens messenger joining us um go bobcats and uh, we will talk to you again next week get ready race fans because the ultimate nascar experience is about to hit the airwaves welcome to pit pass nascar the podcast that takes you deep into the heart-pounding world of nascar racing Join us each week as we bring you closer to the NASCAR action with exclusive interviews and all the news and rumors you need with your favorite drivers, team members, and industry insiders. So whether you're a fan of super speedways, short ovals, or road racing, or you've just watched Talladega Nights, Pit Pass NASCAR is the podcast you've been waiting for. Get ready to fuel your passion for NASCAR like never before. Subscribe now to Pit Pass NASCAR on your favorite podcast platform or head to evergreenpodcast.com and get ready to join us. Launching in the fall on Evergreen Podcast Network. Follow us on social media at pitpass underscore NASCAR to stay up to date with everything you need to know about the podcast.